The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game-Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. We're going to have a good time today. The buzz, it's your party. I know, I know. Remember, it's my party and I'll cry if I want. (laughs) I usually promise not to sing. I have to do a shout out to the late Leslie Gore. I was delighted one day when I was a student at Sarah Lawrence College, which was all girls back in the day. And I'm talking in the, oh my goodness, I'm talking in the mid 60s. And I ran into Leslie Gore in the bookstore on campus in Bronxville one day. (gasps) She left us way too soon but the song lives on so the buzz as i said is it's your party and you may have to cry let's talk about why who is invited to your party matters but who is left out matters too am i talking in circles not really we're talking about women in stem and we'll explain more stem and anyone who thinks or acts differently from what you consider the norm is there a norm anymore normal how does that bell curve shape out for you and your company well hey you may be lacking women in top leadership roles if you are It's disappointing for the women, but it may be depriving your company of great talent opportunities because you have a lack of inclusion. Very important today. So let's look at what you can do. How will you change your organization, your company, and or your country and culture? That's a big task. To take advantage of, we're going to call today invisible talent. They may not be that obvious to your decision makers, but if you look, they're there. They may be gems. They may be diamonds or rubies in the rough, depending on what their names are. So we have some advice for you. Go on. Take a chance. It may become your best strategy yet. We have a lot more information for you on this topic, so let's get started introducing my panel. First up, I'm delighted to welcome Sharon Cook. She is the HCM Practice Director at Hyperscission, Inc., and we had another person from Hyperscission on last week. And Sharon sent me a wonderful quote from a woman who is getting to be more and more frequently quoted here on Game Changers Radio. It's Navy Rear Admiral Grace Hopper. Those of you scratching your head, are you really? Well, she was a computer scientist. She developed the first compiler for a computer programming language. She developed the UNIVAC-1 and near and dear to my heart, the COBOL programming language. That's what I was doing full-time back in the day in the mid-70s. Grace Hopper also coined the terms computer bug, how could we live without that, and debugging, (laughs) how could we live without that. And here's the quote, a ship in port is safe 
but that is not what ships are for. Sail out to sea and do new things. Sharon Cook, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great today, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on. Oh, we're delighted. Wonderful quote and so appropriate from a Navy Rear Admiral Grace Hopper, brilliant computer person she was. So is the ship sailing out to sea or what's your advice today? Sharon, tell me how you picked this quote. Um, I think the ship is sailing out today, to be honest with you. I, I picked the quote because it really is something both the person and the idea were just so appropriate today. I mean, this is a lady in the 50s, 60s, and 70s that was doing, you know, non-traditional work, highly educated, you know, working in the computer industry, all those sorts of things are things that you don't realize a lot of times. And the quote is all about maybe doing things a little bit different, you know, taking that risk, you know, leaving the harbor and trying something new. And I think sometimes some of us are engaged in that, and sometimes we need to have things that nudge us a little bit out of that dock, okay? So that was really what made me pick it. That's wonderful. That's also called called, uh, somebody coming on the dock and and taking that line off of the big cleat on the dock and letting the boat float out into sea and see what's out there. I'm I'm very intrigued with this. And and my question to you, Sharon, before I introduce our other panelists, is going back to my intro, the invisible talent. If companies are willing to have the, the chutzpah or the energy or the new vision to go out of their comfort zone, their port, if you will, Will they automatically see that invisible talent, or do they have to train their eye to look for it? What's your point of view? I I think you really do have to think through and train your eye a bit for it. I don't know that it's, you know, invisible talent out there so much as... I think the HR term sometimes is well-placed or well-positioned. Sometimes you really need to think maybe that current positioning may work, but it's not the best we can do. So I think there's always that chance to take that risk and really think outside the easy answer sometimes. Ah, think outside the easy answer. That's a gem. We will come back to that. Thank you so much, Sharon, and welcome again to the show. Let's bring on another newbie. We are welcoming Jackie Otto. Those of you want to looking up Jackie, she just joined Twitter today. Da-da, drum roll. And her last name, most importantly, is spelled A-T-O, but she trained me very well. I'm pronouncing her name Jackie Otto. She's a customer value manager at Success Factors, an SAP company. Just got the word that we're now calling it, I think, SAP Success Factors. All of the acquisitions will have that SAP intro. So here's a quote from Gary Hamill from Jackie. And Gary Hamill, H-A-M-E-L, those of you wondering who is he, an American management expert and the founder of Strategos, S-T-R-A-T-E-G-O-S, which is an international management consulting firm based in Chicago. And Gary Hamill wrote a couple of very interesting books. The, The two titles that struck my attention, grabbed my attention, were What Matters Now? How to Win in a World of Relentless Change, Ferocious Competition, and Unstoppable Innovation. That dates back to 2020. And either far, even farther back in 2007, he wrote The Future of Management. Here's the quote Gary Hamill says, An enterprise that is constantly exploring new horizons is likely to have a competitive advantage in attracting and retaining talent. Jackie Otto, welcome. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me here. Excited Thank for the conversation. You. 
congratulations on joining Twitter. We have a newbie here, and we will tweet your tootsies off today. You're going to get a lot of traffic from us. But interesting that you picked a quote from Gary that talks about exploring new horizons, which is so interestingly, maybe coincidentally, linked to the Grace Hopper quote from Sharon Cook on sailing out to sea and doing new things. So are you a fan of, of Gary Hamill, Jackie? Talk to me how you picked the quote, please. Yeah, I mean, just some great concepts and foundational elements in terms of, you know, how to succeed as a company and, you know, importance of innovation. And I picked this quote because it, it sounds so basic, but yet it's powerful in that it's something we have to continually strive for. You know, companies need to do things differently. And part of that, I think, as it relates to this conversation is, looking at your leadership, you know, who makes up your workforce and are there changes that you need there to keep those innovative ideas coming and, you know, keep that creative flavor to help you succeed um, in the future. Thank you very much, Jackie. Appreciate that. Good choice. I think Gary Hamill popped up from somebody else on another Game Changer show, so he's getting to be on my list of frequently quoted. Thank you. <laughs> and we're getting away from the Einstein, thank goodness, the Einstein quotes. We've had a spate of Yogi Berra quotes since he passed away. And, uh, yes, Einstein and a couple of others, Benjamin Franklin recently and, and Winston Churchill, and I think they're becoming catch-alls for really smart quotes, regardless of who really sent them. so said them. Thank you so much, Sherry Ann Meyer, sponsor of this show at ASUG and frequent panelist. Can I say regular panelist? Sherry Ann is back. She's the expert for human resources, business processes, and technology at America's SAP Users Group, ASUG. And Sherry Ann loves to quote movies like we don't already know that. And today she <laughs> sent me a quote from Legally Blonde. Wow, I love that movie. 2001, circle all the way back to the beginning of the new millennium. It's an American comedy film based on a novel by Amanda Brown, and it starred Reese Witherspoon as L-E-L-L-E, Matthew David, I'm not familiar with him, as Warner, and Luke Wilson was in it as a character named Emmett. But the quote, and by the way, uh, L. Woods is one of Sherry Ann's favorite characters. She's one of her heroines. So here's the quote. Warner, the boyfriend, says, you got into Harvard Law? And L. Woods responds, what? Like it's hard? <laughs> Did I do that right, Sherry Ann? <laughs> Yeah, I think you have to do a little hip flip when you do that, I just, too. I did. I, I don't want to throw out my hip, but I'm doing the best I can <laughs> sitting in this big chair with my 10-pound headset on. Okay, I'll do it again. You got into Harvard Law. What? Like it's hard? I don't know. That's a Brooklyn version of L. <laughs> Sherry Ann Meyer, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing really good, Bonnie. Great to be back. Thank you so much. Great topic. Who's invited to the party and who's not? Talk to me. How does this relate to our opening about invisible talent and some of the comments and quotes from your colleagues today? We have Sharon Cook at High Precision and Jackie Otto at Success Factors. Talk to me, Sherry Ann. Well, I, you know, what I love about Elle is, and honestly, I have to tell you guys, the first time I started watching this movie, I was like, oh, another dumb blonde movie. I was only half paying attention until halfway through I realized how smart she was. And so that says something about all of us and our preconceived notions that we bring to the table. And therefore, you know, we may be missing people, friends, colleagues, you know, really good talent at work around us because we judge them based on our initial perceptions or based on our own historical perceptions of that type of person. So I think L exemplifies all of us. We're all always misperceived by someone, and it's 
something I try to actually tell my daughters. You know, um, you think that um, you don't, you're not good enough to talk to somebody else, but they're looking at you and thinking she really intimidates me. So we all put off different vibes and different perceptions, but also people bring to the table their own histories that affect how they look at people. And I just wonder how, when you're examining talent, how do you get past all those biases that you yourself has and that the person has about themselves and really draw out talent? Thank you, Sherry Ann. And I want to level set here. I mentioned in my opening about STEM. I just want to make sure everybody knows STEM is an acronym for Science, Technology, engineering and math education. I might have to post that on Twitter so everybody sees it. There's a great uh, a, a website called joannelovescience.com. I don't know where that came from. A great picture of what STEM stands for with a couple of icons in there. Sherry Ann, the idea of invisible talent. I think I asked one of your other panelists a few minutes ago, do you need to really hone your eye? Do you need to clear your glasses or really polish up whatever a telescope you're looking through to find it? Or if you just stop and say we're not going to do same old same old usual usual and you just look around and it just pops out of the walls at you what do you think well I think it's difficult because having been in a corporation I know that a manager will define what he or she wants for a particular position that gets put into an official position description and that gets edited a couple times by other people and then it finally goes out there in the world and people look at the position and a recruiter brings in you know screens out the first few hundred people and brings in the people that they think are appropriate. So I think it, it's really it's really difficult to find the talent that you want. Um, and it, it goes both ways, too, by the way, because if you had said to me um, 20 years ago, um, look into STEM as a career, I would have said, you're out of your mind. I am a right-brained person. I want to write. I want to draw. I want to create. And yet I ended up managing a technology department for 15 years. So um, I think we all have to be aware of what we can bring to the table, and it's not just necessarily um, someone who likes math that will be of benefit in a technology arena. In mm-hmm. fact, my famous saying to everyone is, I can't stand numbers. I'll do them, but, you know, I'll do them if I have to, and I certainly can do them, and I can do them very well, but I would prefer not to. Um, so I think that bringing a mixed bag of skills, talents, capabilities, and points of view to the table is very, very beneficial to creativity in an organization. Very, very important. Thank you so much, Sherry Ann. Good introduction to our topic, and we're going to circle back to our first panelist, Sharon Cook. We're going to ask Sharon where she's calling from today, and I warned you about this, Sharon. What's in your cup in terms of what are you drinking, or uh, what are you planning to drink after the show? Go ahead, Sharon, while I sip and clear my throat. Sharon Cook. (laughs) Well, I'm going to chalk that up that I choked you up today, okay? Uh, I'm actually a double-fisted drinker today, okay, and one uh, cup I... I have water, and in the other cup, I have my constant before five and sometimes after ten drink of black coffee. Um, so I do have a pot of coffee even at night frequently just to calm me down. So I guess that gives some indication if that caffeinated beverage can actually be a calming element in my life, okay? I'm actually calling from Rhode Island, so the smallest state, and we have Dunkin' Donuts out here, so that would be the specific coffee in my cup today. Wow. Did you really say you have caffeinated beverages after 5 and after 10? Did I hear that right, Sharon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's a great, all the time. Bonnie. 
Wow. No, no. She, uh, Sherry Ann knows I can't, they don't even let me have caffeine during the radio shows, Sharon. So <laughs> I'm dangerous. But I used to say, before I learned to drink caffeinated coffee, and I can tolerate it fairly well now, I used to say to waiters or waitresses in restaurants years ago, listen, I'm ordering a decaf cappuccino for my dessert or with my dessert after dinner. And I used to say, if you dare to give me the full, full high test version, give me your phone number because I'm going to call you at two in the morning when I'm climbing the walls. And I'm going to wake you up no matter what you're doing or who you're with. And they would look at me with fear, just pure abject fear in their eyes. But I digress. Thank you, Sharon. More power to you. Let's turn to Jackie Otto. Jackie, where are you and what's your favorite drink? I am in lovely Oakland, California. It's beautiful outside right now. And my drink is kombucha, which I made myself. So I grow my SCOBY and I drink it. <laughs> you grow your SCOBY. You have to explain that one. Grow your SCOBY. What's that? It's a symbiotic culture of uh, SCOBY bacteria and yeast. <laughs> You're scaring me. You're absolutely scaring me. Uh, by it's the way, fermented com- tea yeah. really is yeah. all it is, um, but it has it, it has a punch to it. So it definitely can be a little bit of an energy booster and supposedly good for your internal digestion. Uh, and I looked it up. I've just found it. Thank you very much. Kombucha, K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A, refers to any of a variety of fermented, lightly effervescent, sweetened black or green tea drinks commonly used as functional beverages for their unsubstantiated health benefits. It's produced by fermenting tea using a symbiotic colony. Ah, uh, there a you colony. go. Oh. <laughs> That's it. Symbiotic S, colony C, of bacteria B and yeast. And there you get S-C-O. B-Y, actually contributing microbial populations in SCOBY cultures vary, but the yeast component generally includes a probiotic fungus. I will stop right there. I've had enough. Well, God bless you and more power to you, Jackie. I'm <laughs> glad you joined Twitter. You have to go and tweet that out today. Okay, Sherry Ann Meyer, where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? I'm in good old Pennsylvania today, and it's about 75 here. It's gorgeous. But I am drinking a hot beverage right now. Um, it's chocolate clays donut coffee. If you can't eat the donut, drink the coffee. <laughs> what does it look like? It's a donut with coffee? T- tell me. i got to hear this. No, what, what is coffee. It tastes just like a chocolate glazed donut, though. You're kidding. Very no, interesting. I'm telling you, they can go... do miracles with technology today. Yes, they can. The question is, how miraculous do you really want them to be? We'll leave that for another show. We are talking a very serious topic. We're talking about when the best planning leaves someone out. You plan. You have succession planning. You look at new talent coming in. You want to attract and retain the best. You want to keep an open mind. Then you find out, wow, we're recruiting and training the same types of people all the time. What about women in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math? What about anyone who's a little bit different from the norm? What about that eclectic background you might have dismissed and hired them and just stuck them in a corner somewhere or not hire them at all? It's time to have the ship leave the safe harbor and go out and look at the invisible or hidden or ignored talent in your organization. It may be the best 
best strategy you've ever had yet. I'm Bonnie D. Graham speaking with Sharon Cook at Hypercision, Jackie Otto, ATO, I have to keep saying that, at Success Factors, and Sherry Ann Meyer at ASUG, America's SAP Users Group. And we'll be right back with a lot more here on Game Changing HR Leaders. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Justin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The world of work is changing faster than ever, and the future will be defined by how quickly human resources can adapt and lead through accelerated ongoing change. A corporate culture that embraces differences and innovation is among the top winning strategies for business success. How can human resources shape such a culture in their organizations? One that is moving forward in step with business development, acquisitions, mergers, digitally demanding employees and customers, and changing workforce dynamics. Join our experts as they share game-changing ideas and strategies for leading business success through the next millennium. Game-Changing HR Leaders is presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group's Recharge HR. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP, America's SAP Users Group's Recharge HR. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to game-changing HR leaders. And we're back with Sharon Cook at Hypercision, Jackie Otto at Success Factors, and Sherry Ann Meyer at ASUG. And I'm Bonnie D. Graham here hosting Game Changing HR Leaders for SAP and ASUG. Our topic today it's your party. Are you really leaving somebody out who could be very valuable to your organization? Are you leaving out the women of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math? Very important. You want to look outside the norm and see who could really add value to your company, your culture, and everything like that. So let's talk to Sharon Cook first. We are ready to start our roundtable. Sharon, I'm looking at some very interesting notes you sent me. Uh, I will just introduce a quick story you'd like to share, and we'll talk about that norm thing. Uh, a few years ago, a young man who reported to you in an HRIS analyst role made a comment that... You think he meant as a compliment, but you're still not exactly sure. He said he loved working in a group with you as you, Sharon Cook, handled the stressful situations, quote, just like a guy. Well, bully for you, Sharon Cook. Go ahead. Tell me more about this story. <laughs> tell me more about this story. <laughs> it, it was funny. I mean, it, this was a few years ago, so it stuck in my mind over time. But it was one of those things, knowing the guy, he definitely meant it as a compliment. That really wasn't the question. I just found it interesting, though, that that was the chosen compliment. And the funnier part was when he said it, I took it as a compliment, and I had to then assess that fact. Should I think of this as a compliment? What's this all about? 
So we really delved into the discussion, you know, after we had that more in a one-on-one discussion, and it really came down to kind of the use of capabilities on the job, you know, keeping your composure, addressing things logically, using good communication skills, using good troubleshooting skills, reading your population, and and then kind of managing them down that, you know, path of collaboration and decision-making that you wanted them to go. So it was an interesting way for someone newer in their newer in their career to compliment you, and you know I, I had that moment of oh thanks, and then that moment of gee gosh should I really go into a coaching counseling session on harassment over the comment right? So I guess I was curious with our panel today, you know how would you perceive that that sort of comment? Is that a compliment or you know what do you think about it? Let's go around the table, Jackie Otto. Thoughts. Yeah, you know, seeing that quote, I would personally be a little dumbfounded. Um, I definitely would be giving a blank stare <laughs> to whoever would say such a thing to me. Um, it, yeah, it definitely, it's a little sad in that there's even a need to make that distinction. So I, I, I do think that, you know, as we have these gen- younger generations coming into the workforce, I just don't see that being a, a comment that would be thrown out to someone. Um, but that at least is my hope. <laughs> Okay. Sherry Ann, thoughts? You've been around the block a couple times like I have. What do you think? What would you yeah, say? Yeah, I don't know. I had so many different thoughts running through my head when I read that. Um, you know, One of the things is I thought he was saying, as Sharon alluded to, that she didn't display emotion. She was calm. She was rational. She was logical. She was composed. All those words we equate with male qualities. And yet I've worked with a lot of men that... Um, wouldn't be described as emotional because that's not typically a word we tag onto men, onto the male gender, and yet they were very emotional, just, you know, maybe not crying or, you know, the way we perceive emotion in a woman, but they were emotional and they, you know, derailed things by being emotional. So um, I think, you know, what I'd like to see is us all be able to accept the fact that people bring different things to the table and they may be emotional sometimes. Um, I am. (laughs) Um, and I think that usually when you see people being emotional, it's because they have passion for things, too. So I think, you know, a little bit of understanding there is important. But kudos to you, Sharon, though. You rocked it with that guy. <laughs> well, thanks for that. I, I think you really just brought to head, though, to be honest, Sherry Ann, that, you know, it, it took that self-assessment path. What is it that got me that comment? And it was really those, you know, competencies that you display, the way of really interacting and the perception others had of you in the organization. And I think it's one of those things when you look at some of those qualities and competencies that people hold that it lets you see, or maybe you can be shown, that those competencies kind of transcend whether you're in an administrative role, a technical role, some of these more challenging ones, that you already have a certain amount of the skill set and you really just maybe need the knowledge to be able to go forth and delve into some of the more, I, I think, technical work out there. But you don't have to change completely. You can just build upon some of the skill sets you already have. And ladies, I have to bring something in. I'm brought to mind recently on season seven, season seven of Shark Tank. Barbara Corcoran is one of the regular panelists, started out as a waitress, apparently self-made, multi, multi, multi-millionaire in New York, uh, New York business real estate. And uh, she told uh, an applicant or a, a person on Shark Tank, Mickey Bay, M-I-K-K-I-B-E-Y, who had an eyelash extension business 
founded it and wanted to make it go to scale. And it was, it was a hard concept for the sharks. But the woman cried. Mickey cried. And Barbara said, I don't trust business women who cry. Did any of you see that episode, by the way? Uh, Quite out- no, I did not. No. White mm-hmm. outrageous. She said, crying is going to get you in trouble as a woman. In making your case for how, passion- how passionate she was, the woman started sobbing. And Barbara said, I love the emotion, but you got to give up this crying stuff. The minute a woman cries, Sherry Ann, listen to this. The minute a woman cries in business, you're giving away your power. You have to cry privately. And the contestant said, it takes a type of strength to show this kind of vulnerability. And Barbara Corcoran said, no, 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 not in business. I'm sorry, not in business. I've hired men and women my whole life. When I get a woman who's crying, I refile her in my head in terms of potential because I don't trust her in terms of keeping a cap on her emotions. Whoa. Wow. I think they're both right. I think they're both right in a way. I mean, it depends on what you you want. Um, You know, bringing someone who brings a lot of passion to something is very valuable. Um, And maybe, you know, Barbara's right, too. She That's her own personal preference of who she wants to work with. But I think that that's part of the development plan, having us be aware of our own shortcomings or characteristics that may be perceived by someone else as a shortcoming versus an advantage and how to use those shortcomings to our advantage. And you may be relieved that the other female shark on the panel, Lori Grenier, defended the contestant and said she was caught in the moment and being genuine, which Lori appreciated. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Mr. Wonderful right. Kevin O'Leary, Kevin O'Leary being as wonderful as his name is, said, don't cry for money. It never cries for you. And I'm going to get off of that. But I thought it was just such a perfect thing to talk about. Who do we look for? Who do we want to work with? Um, thank you very much for that opening story, Sharon Cook. I'm looking at some notes here from Jackie Otto at, at Six. Factors. Jackie, let's talk about internal, looking inside versus new hires. And you say, given that a company's greatest asset is its talent, we should be seeing companies more heavily focused on truly understanding their internal talent pool. So what's your advice, Jackie? And then we'll have Sherry Ann and Sharon join in. Go ahead, Jackie. Yeah. You know, it's really a company has its employees. And that, of course, is a company's greatest asset. But really understanding the various skills that your employees have and different creative ways that it can be applied, I think that's kind of, you know, the next evolution of how HR will be able to support um, business leaders in finding those, and I know we keep calling them gems, but that hidden talent or just talent that you wouldn't necessarily align with a specific role or position or project. And so... Being able to tap into your own talent and maybe it's special projects or, you know, grassroots efforts to to start your own project or initiative and having a company that embraces that kind of talent who's willing to go above and beyond and add value to the company, uh, you know, that's what we really need to drive towards. And I think that really does embrace, you know, this desire for diversity. You know, look at your workforce, what diverse thoughts they can bring and build on it. Take action on what your employees can give you. So really being able to, you know, look at your talent pool, understand what they can and can't do. And part of that entails capturing what they can do, um, thinking from a system perspective, partly in terms of, you know, capturing those skills and competencies and then HR helping to actually use that data to help from talent search uh, perspective. 
Thank you very much. And let's talk to Sherry Ann or Sharon Cook, who wants to jump in. Any thoughts on what Jackie just shared? This is Sharon. I, actually, I think I do have some thoughts. I mean, I, I respect the fact that we really do need to find a better way, I think, to understand the talent that our own employees have. But at the same token, it might start a step earlier. I think organizations need to get a little bit better at really figuring out what's that continuum of talent and knowledge we need to have. I mean, as Sherry Ann had indicated earlier, you have a position description that gets created. It's very point in time what I need today because I'm hiring someone to come in and do that job today. But I think internally in the organization, how does that one little position fit into our overall needs? What are the consistencies in, you know, the things that we need our employees to do? And what are those changing and dynamic things that are happening as we watch our own business evolve? So taking that inward look and understanding the target better may help us then look at our employees and those people that we need to hire over time to align that and match up and make sure we're not just hiring point in time, but looking at what we're going to grow over time. And I think that might open up some options for folks. Thank you very much. Sherry Ann, I heard you in the background. What do you think? Oh, well, I was about, I'm building on now when what Sharon said, I absolutely agree. And I think that, you know, when you're looking at your talent, you have to realize you're not going to jam a square peg into a round hole. And, you know, it's really about valuing the person and coaching that person and finding the qualities within them that can add to a team. I don't think that anybody does anything by themselves singularly as an individual contributor. I believe that whatever your job is, you're always reliant on other people to make you successful, um, to, to bring whatever you're working on to fruition. And, and so, you know, when I looked at across my team, I had people that had strengths in some things. I had people that had weaknesses and severe weaknesses and other things, but you find their talent and you try to use their talent. And we can do that through the use of technology and systems, but I think it's more incumbent upon leaders to understand the talent that they have in their workforce group and how to use that. And there always comes a time, I think, sometimes where, you know, you and the employee come to an agreement that, you know, this really, try as we may, this really isn't a good fit for me and I think it's time for me to move on or grow. But um, I think being able to cultivate the talent that you have and not trying to create something that it's not is really very important. Interesting. Anything else from you, Jackie, on this point? We had some good discussion here. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, just those last few words made me think of I once had a boss who told me, uh, you know, he doesn't hire for a specific position. He hires for quality talent, and then he'll figure out what to do with you once you're there. Because if, you know, having ah. someone that, that has those core competencies that you're really looking for that, that can help drive your team, um, that is really important. And so, of course, those day-to-day things, you know, we can learn how to, how to contribute to our basic job role, um, but, then, but having that core competency of, you know, being a value-add team player and having different ideas, I think that can be redefined when we're looking at hiring. Isn't that interesting? It, you just brought back to mind, Jackie, many, many years ago, I was hired to do a job at a correspondent bank here on Long Island. They're no longer in business. But I went in for an interview thinking I was being being reviewed as a potential 
pro coder, a, a programmer analyst. That's what I did. I was a COBOL programmer. And the particular job was not specifically COBOL. I think it was assembly language, which I hated from my student days of learning how to program. But I said, well, you know, I need a job. I'm back in New York. I can do it. I can do it. So I went in and when I met the, the gentleman who was a brand new recruit himself, but at, at a VP level, we talked a little bit and he said to me, do you know anything about banking? And I said, not really. And he said, do you have a checkbook? And I said, yes. He said, do you have a savings account? I said, yes. No, he didn't ask me the balance. And he said, okay, you know enough. He said, I'm going to create a brand new position for you. I'd like to hire you as a systems liaison. I said, what the heck is that? He said, well, you speak programming language, so you can speak to our IT department, who used to call it MIS, Management Information Systems. You can speak to the people who are the programmer analysts, and then you can speak to the rest of the people in the company. And the this was a correspondent bank where we didn't take give money orders at a desk. There was no teller. We took care of the banking for the savings banks of New York State. So we were a back office banker's bank, basically. And he said, and you can speak to the people in the various departments at our company about what kinds of programs they need for the reports they need to generate. He said, so you're going to be a systems liaison. I was so <laughs> intrigued. This was after a 20-minute interview where I had 103 fever and I had a box of Kleenex with me and said to them, interview me fast and then quarantine me before I kill somebody here. And it was it was a bitter winter cold day with a lot of snow on the ground. I had no idea where the place was, but I found it. And he hired me based on, so <laughs> and he must have seen something, damn it. He must have just, because he didn't hire me to, for the coding job. He had never met me and he saw something. He said, let's put this skill with that skill. And I was very much the anomaly. They used me later on yeah. for contract programming because of my COBOL background. They stuck a terminal in front of me and said, you're our new conversion programmer. Good luck. And then they may be the head of marketing <laughs> about yeah, two years yeah, later. I mean, that's, that's a great example. Yeah. I, I guess. I don't know whether it was torture or, or, uh, or appreciation. Anyway, thank you very much. I hope, uh, I hope the memory was interesting to you as it was to me. I just I didn't even think about it for a while. Sherry Ann Meyer, you told me in your notes about a very interesting book by Danny Monroe, D-A-N-I-M-O-N-R-O-E. You know, I love to spell things. The book is Untapped Talent, Unleashing the Power of the Hidden Workforce. And you've got an observation here, very timely. Let me just read this and I'll have you launch into why you picked Danny Monroe, why you read the book and how it relates to our topic. You say, according to Danny, talent that once delivered corporate success is no longer good enough to meet modern corporate goals. That's a big statement. Sherry Ann, what do you think? Well, okay, so why did I pick this book? Well, because this idea of invisible talent or being invisible is very near and dear to my heart, and it's something I used to talk about as a problem that I encountered all the time in my career. And, I, you know, jumping up and down, trying to make yourself more visible doesn't really help. And the talent that we're going to be looking for in the future I don't, I don't know that it's just as cutting dry as it was in the past. So, for example, I, I mean, I think careers and college degrees were much more cut and dry. And I can think of very few today that are really still the same. Engineer, accountant, nurse, you know, teacher, perhaps are very finite jobs and very well defined. But many of the students I encounter today are coming out with very, very different degrees. It's not just an IT degree. And I think we're going to continue to see that change. So people are walking into the workforce not necessarily able to sit down at a desk and program something. They're walking in with a different set of skills, and we have to recognize that. 
and not so much look at the degree, maybe not even need a degree, but what's the quality that that person can bring. And it requires a deeper level of insight, Bonnie, really, that I don't know that we're prepared to give or to have. And when you think about how people recruit today and the fact that a manager is looking for a certain type of person that he wants or she wants to work with, but it's going to go through the recruiting department and the recruiting process first, how can, what are the tools out there? How can we help that manager that's ultimately going to be selecting someone get what he needs, get what the organization needs? Interesting point of view. Sharon Cook, love to hear you chime in on this one. What do you think? Well, I have to say I'm brushing off a few years of recruiting experience prior to going the systems route. So I always found that same thing to be very interesting. I ended up recruiting for a lot of um, engineering and, and IT staff and everything. And we did find in a lot of cases that we really had to work with our existing management on our internal culture on what it took to do those jobs. I mean, in an era where, yeah, I needed someone that could do C++ and and other, you know, fourth-generation language sort of programming, we also had to show that that skill alone wasn't oftentimes what made the person succeed. So it started to open up the eyes of the manager to say, oh, you're right. I mean, that guy can code his way up the yin-yang, but, Mm -hmm. gee, I I can't bring him into a meeting because he offends everybody or he doesn't play well with others, that sort of thing. So I think it was part of that experiential and really working through kind of seeing how people did work well together and put a little bit more emphasis on that. And that, that helped round out the managers a little bit and open up some of their opportunities to look across some of the division boundaries and look deeper within their own team to kind of pull some people into different roles. Interesting. Sounds like it takes creativity and a little bit of guts. Jackie Otto, thoughts about what we've been sharing? Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. I think um, I like the term when you think of recruiting and, you know, posting those positions. I like the term success profile versus um, defining just a, a basic job profile. So, you know, you have an opening with a company. You need certain duties to be managed, but what truly makes an individual successful in that role? And having leaders and managers really think through, you know, who their best employees are, what are they doing that stands out, and using that criteria to define the success profile for that job. You know, and that might be kind of switching to how we recruit for certain positions and, you know, the interviewing questions that are being asked, because it might not be uh, the obvious match when you, when you look at, you know, the talent profile or skills and competencies of um, a candidate, there might be something different that we need to start interviewing for to better match um, the requirements that managers are looking for. Thank you very much. And and I want to ask Sherry Ann Meyer to share your personal story about your daughter in second grade and uh, when the kids were having to learn how to calculate time in math class and about the differences in how boys and girls excel or don't in math. What's your, your story? Share it with us, Sherry Ann. This, this infuriated me. Um, and it was a very good school. Um, we went to uh, probably one of the open houses or parent-teacher meeting and the teacher was saying, you know, they're learning how to tell time, and they were explaining how she's explaining to people how to calculate, you know, quarter hour or what, it will, what time it will be in an hour and a half. And my daughter was just having a lot of trouble with it at that point in time. And I expressed to her my concern because I was like, she's always been really good with numbers. She's great at puzzles and things like that, all indicators of a mathematical mind. And the teacher's response to me was, well, I really wouldn't worry about it too much because 
we see this all the time in girls. Girls have this oh. problem. Boys don't have this problem. <laughs> I was shattered. I was like, okay, this is who's teaching my daughter. Seriously. How am I ever going to reverse that? Interesting. I was told, by the way, Sherry Ann, when my daughter was in kindergarten, we were living in Eugene, Oregon. I had just separated from my husband. I had the kids in a very good school system, and I got a comment on my daughter's report card. And the comment was, she doesn't know how to color within the lines. We need to give her some <laughs> remedial draw. I'm not kidding you, kids. Oh, yay. Rem- remedial <laughs> reading, remedial drawing. And my daughter went on to become, well, five Beta Kappa junior year at Brandeis. She she matched number one at CHOP for a pediatric residency. She's a brilliant MD. She illustrated every single biology notebook with the most magnificent pictures of what the biology, her notebooks were like, like they should have been published. They were that gorgeous. Uh, an artist and and a, a scientist, very successful young lady. But I remember shaking in my boots when I was told, your daughter needs remedial reading and remedial art. She colors outside the lines. Is there anything more on target with what we're talking about, Sherry Ann, that, that yeah, a kid absolutely. who's a little How bit different? overcome that? I mean, you know, and Chelsea, the daughter I was talking about, turned out to be a musician, which is all about mathematics, really. I mean, That's it's right. certainly the creative side, too, but it's all about mathematics and yeah, she overcame that after many years, but, you know, somebody says something like that to you, and it really does stick with you at a very young age. So I think, you know, I'd like to ask our teachers to sensitively groom our children for the future. And, and a good point on that. Who are the teachers today? I wonder who is teaching the elementary grades. Are we seeing more men in teaching positions who might have a different point of view about skills and about what's coming down the pike for our kids? Very interesting, uh, because the teachers you and I are talking about, Sherry Ann, were both women. Right? Right. Okay. We're women, yeah. Women destroying potential careers or trying to inadvertently, maybe unconscionably, but inadvertently. Sharon Cook, you have any favorite stories about about teaching gone wrong? I know STEM is your passion. So, Sharon Cook, why don't you just give us a little more background on why STEM is so important to you before we move to our, our predictions in a few minutes. Sharon? Well, it's just interesting. I mean, STEM has been an organization, to be honest. Um, you know, we go to conferences and things, and oftentimes you give tchotchkes or giveaways. And for the last couple of years, STEM has actually been, you know, if you swipe a badge at a conference, instead of giving you a tchotchke, we take two or three bucks and, you know, tally them all up and send it off to STEM as a contribution. And it's been amazing when you look at people attending conferences, they come by to talk just because, oh, I hear you're sponsoring STEM. Here, scan me so we get this in, you know, kind of thing. Um, But we happen to be a female-owned business and I think a lot of people in our organization have done transitions over time. We started out, you know, human resources back in the day when it was touchy-feely, block-and-tackle sort of human resources, and, and went the route to go to technology to get systems in place to kind of help us do our jobs better and, you know, worked in technology organizations or life science organizations or other, you know, more, I think, complex sort of work environments that a lot of people might shy away from. So it's been kind of interesting to hear this all and see this all evolve over time. So it's really intriguing for me to figure out how that all fits. Similar circumstances with, you know, seeing teachers, parents doing this sort of limitation on their kids. And I always vowed with my, even though I've had two sons, it's like, you know, we can do whatever you want to do. You just need to kind of prepare yourself to do it and think it through. So it's, it's an exciting time to look at this. 
It really is a very exciting time. Jackie Otto, love to get some more from you. Any thoughts on what we've just been talking about? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely think there is a responsibility with parents to instill in their children that, you know, the world is their oyster. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. And to, uh, you know, be mindful of how you're speaking to your children and not applying those, you know, gender expectations um, at such a young age because it's so powerful. Words are so powerful to little kids. And it makes, I think, it can make all the difference in, in their future. So, you know, encouraging, uh, regardless of gender, you know, equality in terms of, you know, let the girls play with their trucks and build things. And, you know, same with boys, let them play with their dolls if they want to. So just trying to be mindful at such a young age, because that, that's where it's going to make a difference down the road. Very, very important. Sherry Ann, we're about three minutes away from going into our crystal ball prediction. Since you set up this topic, I'd love to turn it over to you for the next three minutes. Anything on the table that we didn't cover enough with your wonderful panelists, Sharon Cook and Jackie Otto? Any any thoughts you want to have us address, Sherry Ann? Well, I, it, not a thought per se, but the what inspired this was that there's a new organization starting called Women in IT, and there's a bunch of other organizations like that, too. Women Who Code, I think, is another one. Um, and, you know, Sharon talked about what High Precision does. I would really love for us all to be more aware of those organizations, not just because they're talking about women, but apply that across the board. Um, you know, Jackie just said something that made me think it's all about expectations. You know, what expectations you set for your children at a very young age is important, but that applies to grown-ups, too, in the <laughs> workplace. You know, um, we have expectations of people when they're walking in the door and how they're going to perform for us that are based on our own background. And I think it would be very beneficial if we could learn to step outside of ourselves and step away from our own backgrounds once in a while and try to understand what other people are bringing to the table. Um, I think there is a lot of hidden talent out there. I think a lot of it is women, and, and speaking for myself personally, a lot of it is women because I think we do, in many cases, communicate differently than a man would, and that's, that is sometimes perceived as being a negative, being a problem, that you're a problem. And it's not you, it's how they're hearing you, because there's always a listener and a receiver in any conversation. And if we can all be a little bit more aware of that, that we're bringing something to the table, even when we're not speaking, we're bringing our own thoughts, our own backgrounds, um, our, our own parents our own teachers that maybe said something negative to us and bring that mm -hmm. sensitivity to the conversations, I think that we would be a lot better with making good use of talent. Very important. And by the way, what was the other organization? I have a hashtag here for women in IT. What was the other one you mentioned, Sherry Ann? I would like to tweet I it. I think it's called Girls Who Code or Women Who Code was one of the others oh, that yes. I follow. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find it. Girls Who Code. There it is. Anybody code, else have yep. any favorites I'm going to put here on our hashtag SAP radio? Sharon, you have anything else? I'll, I could put down high precision. Jackie, anything you want me to add here in the shout out? Ooh, there was, um, I, t I actually tweeted it earlier, but there's a um, L magazine in the UK has a, a very cool video that just shows some pictures um, that some events and what it looks like without men in the picture. And it is pretty shocking in terms of the lack of representation women have um, in certain roles. So I think Ooh. they have a, yeah. uh, uh, 
I got it. I can find it. Jackie, you can yeah. see that at one of our Sapphire conferences. There's always a line at the men's room and not at the women's room. <laughs> oh, it's oh, please. Yeah. What yeah. about Broadway? What about Broadway? You can't get near the ladies' room. Come on. You have to get there <laughs> an hour before the theater opens and be waiting at that door to pounce on the ladies' room. You cannot get near it. You know, I've been one, Sherry, and many years ago, I think my mother and I commandeered the men's room at a Broadway show, and there were two or three guys standing out line, and we said, hey, there's 50 women online. we got to go. Excuse me. We took over the men's room. It's like, who cares? Just get it done. Right? <laughs> oh, now you know too much about me. Uh, let's see. We are ready for our prediction. So I'm going to tweet here. Sherry Ann mentioned women in IT, girls who code. We have L-U-K. I found it. I have high precision. Anything else anybody wants me to put in here? Jackie, I'm going to put J-Otto at SAP so you get in on the fun here. And uh, well, Sharon, I'll put you lean in. in. Okay. And I think there's in. also a kids that code, which is kind of a nice level to get at. Lean in yeah, org. All right. I, I think I'm just about kids who code. Okay. I got it. I'm oh, kids who code Connecticut. All right. We'll get rid of the key T. CT. Okay. So let's circle back. Good conversation, Sharon Cook. Now you're all revved up. Let's see what you want to contribute to our predictions round. It's time for the crystal ball. I'm not going to use the male metaphor. Let's slide into home plate. I'm going to say, let's take it home. Sharon, let's take it home. So what do you see in the crystal ball? I love the year 2020. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. How far in the future? And tell us what will change about this topic when the best planning leaves someone out, leaving that safe harbor and finding the talent that's right in front of your eyes, either internally or recruiting them to change the direction of your company. Sharon Cook, 60 seconds predictions, go. I think the nudge is going to help us with the marketplace being so tight to find the right people that we need, the right skill set, I think we're going to all be forced out of our comfort zone, and this will open up our eyes to a great new horizon, a lot more possible people out there based on the skill set they have today and what we can grow. We're just going to have to do it to fill our needs. Wow. Well put. Thank you very much. Jackie Otto, go ahead. What do you see in the crystal ball, and how far in the future are you looking? Well, I would say in the next 10 years, and there's actually an article in Harvard uh, Business Review today, that w- the mid- millennials, they are expecting gender equality um, compared to some of the other uh, groupings of individuals, you know, our Generation X and our, our baby boomers. We have to do something different, and with the millennials coming into those leadership roles, it, I think it will naturally happen. My other thought is we won't be able to tell gender anymore <laughs> in terms of, you know, unisex clothing is so popular. Um, to having an, an androgynous look is kind of the cool thing these days. So I think it'll be interesting that it, it's going to be a non-issue. At least with gender, we're all going to look the same. <laughs> tell, tell that to Beyonce and Kim K. I'm not going to say anything else after that. There are still going to be right. plenty They're of girls who want to look like girls. Come on. Come on. But thank you. Thank you for the predictions. And let's turn it over to Sherry Ann Meyer, our, our uh, inspiration for this series, Sherry Ann. And I, I love these conversations. Sherry Ann, how far in the future I can give you? Oh, about First 90 all, seconds. Even more interesting will be the, the burly football players who want to dress like women. Flip it, flip it. That'll level the playing field more. Um, Typically, literally, go ahead, (laughs) literally. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we're leaning towards a place where many of the people coming into the workforce today, whether regardless of their age, 
aren't so much interested in fitting in anywhere. Um, they want to do a good job. They want to come to do the job they've done. But I don't think they're going to stick around if they feel like their skills aren't being appreciated. There's a little um, incentive to continue to do that anymore. And so I think the race for talent is going to accelerate. Um, we're in kind of a renaissance here with talent and the way people are moving. We're leaning much more towards um, cr- creativity and honoring those skill sets in people. Um, and if the workforce and business can't work that into their place and accept those kind of different people that we might have seen a little bit off the wall, I think they're going to suffer because I think that people are going to be less and less willing to fit in. Mm-hmm. Good points all. Thank you very much. We've got, let's see, one minute to go, so I'm just going to do a nice, slow thank you to my three wonderful panelists. Ladies, good conversation. That's what we're here for. We're here to talk and share ideas, and you certainly excelled at that. Sharon Cook, thank you so much from High Precision, and give a shout-out to your colleague Sharon Newton as well, please. It was on just recently. Jackie Otto with Success Factors, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, take a look at your Twitter feed and see how many tweets you were mentioned in today. I think we just rocked your world. I don't know if you can take it. Don't Stop it. Just leave it there and tweet back. We'd love to see that. Sherry Ann Meyer at ASAC. Sherry Ann, quick promo. What's next? next topic for next week on your series? Any clues yet? Um, yeah, we do have a topic for next week. And you know what? You just grabbed me by surprise because now I'm thinking <laughs> of the topic I'm planning two weeks out. <laughs> well, what's the so one two weeks out? top of my head what is next week. What's the one two weeks out? We'll go for that one. So we're going to be engaging some of the people like Bill Jensen, Mr. Simplicity, um, Larry oh. Weidel, who's um, written one of the books Yay. that you referred to me by. Yes, I have. And we're going to be talking book. about their ideas in terms of, um, you know, culture in the workplace, changing things up. Um, how do you engage people in the workplace? How do people engage themselves in the workplace? What does a winning culture look like? What does a winning you look like? Okay, and avoiding you is people who listen to us here on Game Changing HR Leaders. Thank you again, Sharon Cook, Jackie Otto, Sherry Ann Meyer, Justin and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. Thanks for getting us and keeping us on the air. Here's my call to action. And by the way, I'll be back tomorrow with another live show at 10 a.m. I think, I can't even remember. We have four series sharing the time, so I just tune in. Business Channel, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll be there. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Wee! what a ride. Go out and be a game changer today, today, today. Let that leave the harbor but fasten up thanks ladies bye bye thank you for tuning in to game changing hr leaders presented by sap and america's sap users group the best run businesses run sap and run simple tweet your questions and comments to hashtag sap radio and twitter handle r-e-c-h-a-r-g-e-h-r Please join host Bonnie D. Graham Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.